Our scripture this morning is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. Brief passage this morning, but a lot in it. Uh, Would you please stand for the reading of scripture? Philippians 2, beginning with verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Would you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for your holy word. We're thankful for your Son, and we pray that by the power of your Spirit, that as we hear your word, that we would see your Son high and lifted up, that we would hear his voice, and hearing his voice, that his sheep would offer ourselves to him promptly and sincerely. So, Meet with us, speak to us, and bless us in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Are we working out our salvation? One of the things that really left an impression on me happened the first week I was an ordained minister. I visited a lady in an assisted living facility. She was up in years, born into the church, and had missed very few Sundays until she became physically unable to attend. And as we talked in her room that afternoon, she talked a lot about what a wonderful man Uh, her husband was and how much she missed him. It is a a conversation that I have had frequently over the years as any minister who visits uh, shut-ins, widows and widowers has this conversation regularly. And uh, I said something as we uh, ministers frequently do to the effect of uh, he was. I did not know this lady's husband, but I'm sure from all I'd ever heard, he was a truly wonderful man. And I said uh, something like, it is a comfort to know that we will see our loved ones again in due time. I'll never forget what she then said. She said to me, I hope I can go to heaven. I've tried to be a good person. I had to think quickly on my feet that afternoon. How do I tell this lady who's 60 years older than I am that she's wrong without being disrespectful? And what came to my mind in that moment to say to her was this. Yes, ma'am. And isn't it a great comfort to know that we don't have to be good enough to go to heaven? 
And in a very incredulous tone, she said to me, well, then how do you go to heaven? And again, I tried to explain the gospel to her as best I could without being disrespectful. But she just could not get a hold of the idea that we are not saved by our salvation is not based on our being good enough. I would visit her from time to time and would delicately broach the subject and never could get an open door to discuss it again though I knocked on that door many times. That's why we need to be saved in the first place. We are not good enough. Or to put it in the language of the Apostle Paul, we are not saved by our works. No, we are saved by Jesus Christ and Him alone. We are saved by His work for us. And we are brought into union with Him by faith, by the Holy Spirit, and as we have Him and embrace and receive and accept Him, we receive and have all that He has. It is a Free gift. That's the good news. Jesus Christ gave himself for us and he gives himself to us. And as we receive him as our Savior, as our Lord, we receive all that he has accomplished and earned and won and worked for us. We are not saved by our works. We are saved by His works. We are not saved because we are good enough. We are saved because He is good enough. But here in this passage, the Apostle Paul says that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, as I hope to demonstrate, he is not saying to work for our salvation. We are to work out our own salvation. And so as we look at this passage together, the question we need to ask is, are we working out our salvation? Let's find out. First in this passage, you see our work. Look at verse 12. (coughs) Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, it's easy to say, I've heard various ministers say over the years, and it is correct 
that Paul is not telling us to work for our salvation, but to work out our salvation. However, it literally just says in the original, work your own salvation. Now clearly in the context there, Paul is telling us to work it out. Paul says time and time and again, we were saved not by our works, but we are to work. Work what? Well, notice he says there at the beginning of verse 12 that we are to obey, or they were to obey, and by extension to us. He says to the Philippians, whether in my presence or in my absence. Paul had planted the church at Philippi. He had moved on. At this point, he is under house arrest in Rome, chained to a Roman guard, and he is telling them this is what you need to do whether I ever get back to Philippi or not. And that's not the first time he said that. Go back to Philippians 1 and look at verse 27. He says, Philippians 1, 27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. You see what he says? Living in a manner worthy of the gospel. That's what it means to work out our salvation. You see, in... 127, and here in 212, he says, whether I come to you or whether I am absent. These two parallel bookends tell us that it is one long passage in the middle. Of course, it's far too rich to to take as one big piece of uh, one chunk of scripture. We had to break it down. But that's what he's telling us to do. To live in a manner that is worthy of or consistent with the gospel. He explained the gospel in the previous passage last week in Philippians 2, 5 to 11. The humiliation of Jesus Christ. And then his glorification. He explained the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. He who was in the form of God, who is God himself, he did not hang on to it, but instead took the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. He came down from heaven and took humanity upon himself and became obedient all the way to the point of death on the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and raised him from the dead and exalted him, lifted him up to the highest place. That is the gospel. That is the work that accomplished our salvation. 
Now Paul says we are to work that out in our lives. How does it work out? Go back to chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. In other words, pursue Unity, be of one mind, work together. How do we pursue unity? He says, count others more significant than yourself. And how do I do that? I have to develop humility. You see the logic. Unity comes when we count others more significant than ourselves. I'm able to count others more significant than me because in my heart of hearts, I'm humble. Paul says, you have to work this out. It takes work to count others more than myself. Now, Someone asked me as I was coming in this morning if I was going to beat up on Bob again this week the way I did last week. You remember we talked about that so-called Bob principle. Bob can't get along with Sam and Bob can't get along with Sue and he can't get along with anybody. His problem is Bob. There's Christians like that. Can't get along with anybody. Can't find a church good enough. Can't find anyone they can get along with. You know what the cause of that is? It is sheer laziness in the Christian life. If you want to get along with folks, work at it. You have to develop humility because it is not natural to sinners to be humble and to count others more than myself. Anything in life, any skill in life, if you want to learn to play an instrument, it takes work. If you want to learn to build a house, it takes work. If you want uh, to learn to prepare tax returns, it takes work. Any skill in life requires work. You notice at the end of verse 12, he tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now Paul here is is not telling us that we are to, to worry that God does not love us. We are not to, he's not telling us that we are to lack assurance. He tells us again and again, That we can be certain that God will continue His work in our lives. No, we are not to have fear and trembling because we lack assurance of God's love. 
and our salvation. But we are to have fear and trembling as we consider our own insufficiency. Bishop Ryle, in his wonderful little book, Holiness, which I would commend to every one of us, J.C. Ryle, Holiness, has a chapter in there called Growth, about growing as a Christian, spiritually. And he has a wonderful statement at the end. He says that there are some people whose very growth and progress spiritually in the Christian life is the very reason they don't feel that they are growing. Because if I'm really growing as a Christian, I am growing in humility. I think less of myself. And so the more I grow, the more aware I become of my flaws, my sins, my weaknesses. And so he says the person who is truly growing doesn't feel that he's growing. And if that's complicated, let me try to shuck it down. Any person who writes a book called Humility and How I Have Achieved It is a fraud. Requires work. Hours. Work. Secondly and finally in this passage, we see God's work. Look at verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The Apostle Paul wants to ask a question, a rhetorical question. Who is sufficient for these things. He told the church at Corinth the ministry God had called them to carry out in Corinth. He told them the ministry God had given him to carry out as an apostle. And he said, who is sufficient to do these things that God has called us to? And he said, our sufficiency is of God. St. Augustine prayed, a prayer that became very famous. He said, Lord, grant what thou commandest and command what thou wilt. In other words, Lord, if you give me the strength, if you give me the grace, then you command me to do whatever as long as you give me the grace, I'll do it. God works in us to will and to do his good pleasure. Say, how am I going to become humble? Learn to count others more significant than me. That runs contrary to everything in me. Here's what he does. He puts his own son the one who, though he was in the form of God, humbled himself and took the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of men and humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death on the cross. He puts him into us. He gives us his Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who conceived the human nature of Jesus Christ in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit in whom Jesus grew as a boy in wisdom and in the Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who anointed Jesus in His baptism. The same Holy Spirit that led Jesus through His temptation in the wilderness. The same Holy Spirit who empowered the miracles of Jesus. The same Holy Spirit through whom Jesus offered Himself on the cross, the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, the same Holy Spirit who already created the most humble human being that ever walked this earth is in us. That's how we can work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. I want to leave you with a word of encouragement. Philippians 1.6 Paul says, I am sure of this. I am confident of this. That he who began a good work in you. You see, God works in you. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God the Father will not stop working in His people. We are confident God will not stop the work he began. Therefore, he says, get to work. Work out your own salvation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.